do the best we can. Keep it timely tonight. There's a lot of good lessons. How many of you have ever just looked at an ant? Anybody ever just watched an ant? Just thought about what's going through that little ant's mind, you know? Well, hopefully we're going to figure out some things that are going through the ant's mind. We'll figure it out tonight. Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. And uh, so we read that in the... King James, now let's look at it in the message. It says, you lazy fool, look at the ant. <laughs> Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer it stores up food. At harvest it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around and do nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life, poverty, your permanent house guest. Wow. Pretty straightforward, huh? Have you ever heard of a myrmecologist? Anybody ever heard of that? I'm not talking about the person that studies murmuring. A myrmecologist is the study, or myrmecology is the study of ants. And it may not sound like the most exciting of career choices, but there is wisdom that can be gained from watching ants. There are over 10,000 different species of ants. They're able to lift 20 times their own body weight. I mean, that's even stronger than Kyle. Kyle's strong, but that's even stronger than Kyle. And that means that if you had the strength that you could, I mean, think about it. You could lift like 4,000 pounds. Can anybody lift 4,000 pounds? No, it's, it's, you know, for us, we think about it's impossible. Ants have been found to build structures 500 times their own height. The brain of one ant, now get this, the brain of one ant has 250,000 cells, whereas the human brain only has 10,000 million brain cells. So we have 10,000 million brain cells. They have 250,000, but they're using their cells better than we do. That's why we're told to go to the ant. Ants have two stomachs. How many of you knew that? Ants have two stomachs. One for storing up food to share with others later. And one for their self. Actually, that's one characteristic they can keep to themselves. I don't want that one. I'm good with my one stomach. My one stomach is enough. Can't imagine how big I'd be with two. <laughs> Some of you are you're chuckling because you know. The life expectancy of a, an ant is about 45 to 60 days. But these tiny creatures accomplish much in their short lifespan, and if there ever was a creature that had to make the most of its allotted day, it's the ant. And so a French surgeon once quoted to say, if I was only given 10 minutes in which to complete an operation, I'd take the first five minutes to decide how best to perform it. 
So we need to consider, we need to look into this, we need to consider what the Bible says. And so lessons from the ant, the first of all, the first thing that we can figure out here is that ants are determined. Ants are determined. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. If you're going to do something, go after it. Man, it's too many people starting and stopping, doing it for a little bit, and then they quit. Ants, unlike people, do not give up easily. They are determined. Life is full of people who have lost ambition. They've given up on their dreams and their goals. And Emerson said, most men live lives of quiet desperation. Why? Because they don't have the commitment and tenacity to accomplish what they have set out to do. If you ever stopped and watched an ant, you'll see it doesn't give up easily. I mean, you can put stuff right down in front of it. Like you can sit a rock in front of an ant, and that ant will either go over it or go around it. It, it, it doesn't phase it at all. Ants are not deterred by life's obstacles, by stumbling blocks, by circumstances. And uh, so just, you know, stop and think, how many times have you found an ant in the most unlikely of places? Right? We were in Costa Rica not too long ago, and we were doing some cleaning and some stuff, and we found in this sealed tight container, we found this, these tiny ants all over it, and they were inside the house, inside a cabinet, inside the sealed container. I'm like, those are some persistent little boogers. How did they get in there? How did they get in the house, and how did they get in the cupboard? I mean, they had, like, this was a long journey that they had to take, and then they had to persist in how to find a way in there, in a bag of sugar, in a, in a cookie jar. Uh, it, it seems like, you know, they can penetrate anything, even airtight containers, and, and you just wonder, how did they get there? Well, it's from sheer determination and stick-to-itness. They're, they're, they're going to make it. They're going to do it. They're going to figure out a way. And just like that ant, if we're going to succeed in life, we need to have that same determination. Amen. We got to have that same, hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be right here. I'm going to keep moving forward. All right. So ants are opportunists. Ants are determined and they're opportunists. 1 Corinthians 9.22, I made all things to all men, Paul said. What does that mean? What does that mean that he's made all things to all men? What is an opportunist exactly? It's the individual who will use whatever resource or means at hand to accomplish a given goal. What do you have? What can you do with what you have? Watch the ant for very long at all and you'll see them. They'll use broom handles, sticks, they'll use paper, a leaf, they'll use whatever they have to use I mean, they'll make bridges out of twigs. They'll do whatever they got to do. Opportunist ants look for opportunities. That sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Opportunist ants look for opportunities. Sometimes we quit looking for opportunities. We accept defeat and we say, oh, it can't be done. No, we have to be opportunist. They refuse to allow the obstacle to deter them from what they want. Go ahead, see if you can stop an ant. The only way to stop them is squish them. Or spray them with Windex. 
those two will stop them. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, that's right, until they're in your food. <laughs> it's it, okay, it's okay if they're in mine, but if they're in yours, you're going to find a way. You're going to find that sticky Toro, whatever that stuff is, you're going to find something, right? All right, so what do we see here? Many times we are defeated before we even get started because we think about the impossibility of what needs to be done. The ant doesn't even seem to consider defeat. They don't even seem to consider defeat. It simply takes advantage of whatever opportunity it has before it. It's like, you know what? I could do this. We're going to get this done. Ants are not selfish. Ants are, they are not, uh, they're determined, they're opportunists, and they're not selfish. Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Uh, this is probably best illustrated by the fact that they actually have two stomachs, one for them, one for, and some of you are like, well, I wouldn't be so selfish if I had two stomachs either. I don't know. I'm feeling some of you, you'd use both stomachs for yourself, I'm just saying. I don't know. But we won't dwell too much on that. Uh, the fact that ants live in colonies speaks a lot about their concern for other ants. Within the colony, all the ants work together for the common good. This vastly is vastly different to the way humans uh, live. You know, we live in cities and towns and uh, we live in cities and towns. We can even live in the same apartment complex and not be working together. You can live in the same house with people and not be working together. I mean, we'll just, we'll just leave that there for a minute. <laughs> the primary lesson that the Lord wants us to learn here is that we should be concerned for and be willing to help each other. You ever been intrigued or watched ants move something? I mean, it's really kind of cool. Uh, you know, we already said it, they can lift 20 times their weight, but what happens when something weighs more than 20 times their weight? They just get another ant to help them. They say, hey, hey, I got something to move over here. And then you see a little line of ants and then moving whatever it is. It might be carrying a grasshopper or a cricket or something back to the colony for dinner that night. So, uh, I don't know, you know, it's kind of, kind of creepy, but it is almost amazing how they work together. I wonder how different our families, how different our church and our community would be we would simply quit being so selfish. How, how, how wonderful could your home be if everybody would just work together at your house? If everybody could just get on the same page. See, I'm preaching now. That's why it got real quiet. It'd be awesome if families could actually just work together. But you know what, what really we don't understand and what we don't get? And, and, and we just... We live so selfishly. We do what's best for us. We do what's best for what we want. And, and so uh, that 
filters into every area of our life. So in the workplace, we're, we're looking out for number one. When we get home, we're looking out for number one. When we come to church, you know, we're coming to church because, man, I don't want to go to hell. We're looking out for number one. Well, what happened to uniting and not being selfish and looking out for the needs of others even more than our own, as the Bible says? We've got to learn from the ant not to be selfish. We've got to learn that it's, it's better together. We work better together. When we're concerned about each other, when I care about you and you care about me, and we're bearing one another's burdens, we can lift so much more. Ants communicate effectively. Proverbs 8, 8 and 9. You'll only hear true and right words from my mouth. Not one syllable will be twisted or skewed. You'll recognize this is true with open minds, truth-ready minds. will see it at once. It's important, Proverbs 8, 8, 9. It's important that you speak clearly, that you communicate clearly. You know what? This is, I think this is one of the big reasons why people are selfish, because people don't communicate. I think when there's a lack of communication in your home, people tend to get very selfish and very self-centered and do what they want. Well, they should know, no, you have to communicate certain things. You know, one of the first lessons that I learned in marriage is that my wife is not a mind reader. I think she learned the same thing, right? He can't read my mind. In fact, one of our first arguments, I had to tell her, look, you are going to have to tell me because I don't know what bothers you. I don't know what makes you mad. I need you to tell me when something's not right. you got to communicate that to me. Guess what? If you communicate it, then I can do something about it. Oh, pastor, don't make such a big deal about communication. It's, you know, I know it's important, but how important is it really? Well, consider the following. Scintillate, scintillate, global vivic. Fain would I fathom thy nature specific, loftily poised in the ether capacious, strongly resembling a gem carbonaceous. What in the world does that mean? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are, up above the world so high like a diamond in the sky. Yeah, words matter. Words matter. You, you know, some people say stuff and you just, hold on, hold on, wait a second. I need you to explain that to me. Every once in a while, you know, I'll get to talking and saying something and Kathy, she used to look at me and she'd be like, in English? <laughs> like, you're not telling me what I need to hear right now? Insects, like animals, have means of communicating. If you watch ants, uh, you'll see that they really do communicate with each other, and very effectively, too. You never see them out of sync. They're always, it's always like they're one big happy team. Ants communicate by touching each other with their antennae. They also uh, use chemicals called pheromones to leave scent trails for other ants to follow. That's why, you, I know some of you, are, you're, this is like more than what you want to know. But have you ever watched? They walk, they all walk in the same line. And like they figure out, uh, you know, if there's a trail to food, they're like leaving the scent behind because you got one ant. If there's one, there's a bunch more coming. You don't ever find one ant in the food. 
You always find a bunch of them, and that's because they have left a trail. Hey, there's food over here. Come on, it's party in the kitchen. There is a gland in the head of some species of ants called the mandibular gland, which produces a substance which, among other things, acts as an alarm chemical and is used to alert the other ants to impending danger or attack. When released, this substance will cause the nearby ants to adopt a state of readiness and will cause them to come to the aid of the stricken ant. A worker ant who happens upon a new food source will run back to the nest, repeatedly touching the ground with the tip of its abdomen, and this produces a chemical or scent trail leading from the food to the nest and within. As it meets up with the nest mates and is excited, the excited ant will harass them by knocking against them and touching antennae, which often causes other ants to follow the trail back to the food source. After a while, a line of ants can be observed making their way between the nest and the food, and within a short time, there is an army of ants eating, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Ants are focused, and ants are unified. They're, they communicate effectively. They are focused and unified. Psalm 133.1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. They're not only determined as individuals, but they're also focused as a colony. They are determined. They're going to accomplish some goals together. You ever heard uh, one of my favorite uh, stories about the, the Peanuts cartoon? Anybody, anybody ever read the Peanuts cartoon whenever you were growing up? I know I'm talking nonsense to some of you, but it's, you know, you got Lucy and Charlie Brown and Linus and all those. those they, they were really some funny. And matter of fact, they showed not too long ago, they showed something around Thanksgiving. They were, they were, they were actually praying and doing something. I was like, man, they, you almost couldn't get away with doing that kind of stuff now. But in this Peanuts cartoon, Lucy demands that, uh, that Linus change the TV channels. And she threatens him with her fist if he doesn't. says, you know, Linus looks at Lucy and he's like, well, what makes you think you can walk right in here and take over? And Lucy says, these five fingers. And uh, he, she, he just kind of looks at her funny and she says, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit... They form a weapon that is terrible to behold. Linus says, which channel do you want? <laughs> Turning away, he looks at his fingers and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? <laughs> you hardly ever see any Lone Ranger ants. Um, John Don is famous for this portion of verse. No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less, as well as if promontory were, as well as if a manner of thy friend or of thine own were. A, any man's death diminishes me because I'm involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the, bells, the bell tolls it tolls for thee. What does that mean? That means whenever something happens to mankind, it happens to me. Whenever something happens to my church, it happens to me. Whenever something happens in my community, it happens to me. We've got to be the same way. We need other people in our lives. Amen. Some people say, I, don't, I just don't understand why I don't have any friends. Because you aren't friendly. You have to care about other people in order to have friends. 
Although we have different personalities and ways of doing things, we all have common goals. What are some of our common goals? We want to live. We want to eat. We want to sleep. We want to have friends. We want to accomplish something that will leave a legacy. Just like an ant colony, we will accomplish more if we'll all work together. Guess what? Your life will be better if you'll learn how to work with other people. Life is no fun whenever you're trying to do it by yourself. That's why we have life groups. We do life together. Life is better together. It's so much easier to live for God. It's so much easier just to get through life when you have people in your corner. All right, taking initiative. Let's look at another aspect of wise living. It's called taking initiative. Someone once said there are three types of people in the world. This is one of my favorite sayings. There are those who do not know what is happening. There are those who watch what is happening. And there are those who make things happen. I've heard it actually said... uh, I've heard it flipped a little bit, and they said that there's people who who are wondering what's happening, or there are people who, who make things happen, there are people who watch things happen, there are people who wonder, what just happened? You know, you don't want to be one of the people who be like, what just happened? Especially, you know, in your home, right? There's sometimes where you're just like, what did I miss? What, what is going on here? And, uh, you know, we want to be one of the kind of people who makes things happen. We want to take initiative. So wise people make things happen. Wise people take initiative. When they see a problem, they act on it. They don't just sit passively and wait for their ship to come in. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to see if I can make it as simple as possible. Let me see if I can just make it just real simple. This is an everyday thing. When the toilet paper roll runs out, Are you going to take initiative? You're going to leave it for somebody else to take initiative. I told you, I'd make it real simple. You got a house full of people who wait on everybody else to take initiative? That gets old real quick. Then you're like, why is there no toilet paper in the bathroom? How hard is it to grab a roll and put it back on the, you know, come on, people. Take initiative. Trash needs bagged. Some of y'all, look, I, I know I'm all up in your business right now. The trash needs bagged, and we'll push it down and push it down until it is overflowing. But that's why God gave us kids. We got child labor laws built into our family. Our child labor laws go like this. If you are not laboring, you are not eating. So you got to figure something out. You're going to have to do some work around here. No, but think about some of the things just around your house, right? Simple things. Simple, simple, 
You can leave a room and actually flip that light off. Do you know that you can do that? It's amazing. I have people in my house don't know that. I have to remind them. Like, do you know when you leave a room, just, just flip that light right off as you're walking out the door. It's amazing. <laughs> Take initiative, right? Okay, let me, let me make it even a little bit more simple here. What happens whenever you're walking into the church and you see some trash in the parking lot? Take some initiative. If you see something on the floor, you see something out of place, take some initiative. Pretty soon, probably within the next week or so, we're going to have to take some initiative. We're going to have to move these chairs up and fix our carpet tiles that are not staying where they're supposed to. We're going to have to take some initiative and make that happen. Sister Cooper says we've got to do it before somebody threatens a lawsuit. Somebody fall, get hurt, and threatens a lawsuit on us. She's always thinking, that's what I like about Sister Cooper. She's taking initiative. So, when we see a problem, we act on it. That's what wise people do. They don't wait for somebody else to do it. They don't just talk about what needs to be done. They act on it. Okay? Uh, they're willing to dive off the pier and swim out to it if they have to because somebody's got to do something about it. However, they do not act foolishly. They prayerfully take actions. When they're faced with a situation, a problem, a need, a wise person goes to God and says, God, what do you want me to do about this? How can I make this better? He then asks himself, what would God have me to do? What could I do that could make a difference here? And then and only then do they take action. This really makes sense, doesn't it? If you have a problem, you need to take action. After all, most real problems don't go away on their own. I'm going to say it again. Most of your real problems aren't going to solve themselves. I could go into some real problems. You know, some of you, you need to solve the communication problem in your house. If there's not communication, call a family meeting and sit everybody down and say, we're going to, we're going to get on the same page. Because if we don't, feelings are going to get hurt, people are going to be messed up, things are not going to get done, and mom or dad is going to get even more angry. And that's not ever good. So what needs to happen? We need to communicate. If you're not communicating, figure out how to communicate better. Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's not really that big. It doesn't seem like that's too big of a deal. Yes, it is. That's something that you can do something about. Uh, Many people expect their problems to go away. They expect somebody else to solve them. They expect the, the magic fairy to wave their wand and poof, everything just works out. They're looking for the genie in the bottle and it's just not going to happen that way. And so the human tendency to do nothing motivated the writer of Proverbs to warn us about laziness. He said, look at the ant, don't be like the sluggard. Let's talk about a few lessons from the sluggard. Instead of taking action, the lazy person does nothing. Instead, they sit passively, they watch, and they wait for somebody else to do something. It's not good. It's not good whenever you're waiting for somebody else to fix the problem. Sam Ewing once said, hard work spotlights the character of people. Some turn up their sleeves, some turn up their noses, and some don't turn up at all. You better turn up. That's all I got to say. 
you better show up if there's something that needs to be done. You know, that's, oh my goodness, I better, I just better move on. Lawyer and statesman Daniel Webster was a powerful orator. He gave uh, early evidence of his quick mind and his way with words. One day, Webster's father, who was to be absent from home, left Daniel and his brother Ezekiel specific work instructions. But on his father's return, he found the task still undone, and he questioned his sons about their idleness. What have you been doing, Ezekiel, he asked. Nothing, sir. Well, Daniel, what have you been doing? Helping Zeke, sir. (laughs) Hey, if I'm going down, Zeke's going first. We have to think about what our lives say. What, What kind of action or inaction do our lives display? The book of Proverbs calls people who live by this philosophy sluggards. Or more commonly, we would say they're slugs. A slug is a slimy, snail-like creature that may sometimes have a shell attached to its back or no shell at all. It walks slowly, walks without direction. Slugs are found in places that are high in humidity. They retreat into their shell or under rocks when danger comes. A slug moves by crawling, swimming, or floating in the available current. They move at the amazing speed of 23 inches per hour. Sounds like some of your teenagers, right? They sustain themselves by eating both living and decaying plants and are more active at night. Now, the symbolisms from all of that should be enough to encourage you not to be sluggardly, but let's go into it just a little bit more. Here are some lessons from sluggards. First of all, Proverbs 22, 13, they make excuses. They make excuses. The slothful man said, there's a lion without, and I shall be slain in the streets. (laughs) Oh, I've made up some doozies, but I've never said there's a lion in the street. I mean, I've made up some doozies, haven't I, mother? In other words, he uses whatever excuse he can come up with to do nothing. It has been said that if you don't want to do something, that any excuse will do. No one can find more excuses to, do, uh, to not do something than the person who is too lazy to do anything. I mean, they work hard at coming up with excuses. It's funny, I'm telling you, you got teenage kids, you will hear some of the, the funniest excuses. Like, sometimes they're being serious and I'm just laughing at them. Like, no, are you kidding me right now? And then I have to... Here's the bad part. I'm the dad, right? So then I have to talk all the way around and, and explain why their excuse is so bogus. Until I'm like, you know what? Forget it. Just do it right now. I don't care. Just do it. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So the first one is they make excuses. The second one is they love to sleep. They love to sleep. Proverbs 26:14. Now we all need our sleep. Don't get me wrong, everybody needs their sleep. You should be getting, you know, if you're not getting six to seven hours, eight hours a night, uh, you're, going, you're not going to last as long. Your health is not going to last as long. You need to be getting sleep. So, oh, I can't sleep that long. I only sleep three hours, four hours a night. Well, you know what? Come see me in about 10 years. It doesn't work very well for very long. You need your sleep. But... We're not talking about needing your amount of sleep. You know, teenagers, they need a little bit more 
because of the process their body's going through to grow and to become who they're going to be. Uh, so we give them a little bit of leeway, but we're not talking about teenage bodies changing. We're not talking about people who get their seven, eight hours, nine hours at the most maybe of sleep a night. We're talking about people who like to sleep and they sleep 12 hours every day. Some of you are like, man, that, would, that sounds like heaven. <laughs> Proverbs 26, 14, as the door turneth upon its hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. Just as a door turns back and forth on the hinges, the slugger turns over and he's like, ah, I'm just going to sleep some more. They go around all day yawning and all you hear them say is they can't wait to get to bed. They're always, I'm, I'm just so sleepy, I'm ready for bed. Proverbs 6, 10 through 11, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. No, I'm not going to say it. Um, you know, one of the things that you have to learn as you, as you continue to progress in life, become an adult, is that sometimes if you're going to get stuff done, you, you have to just get up and do it. You don't want to do it. Nobody wants to do it. That's, but that's part of being an adult is that you have to make yourself get up and do it. There are days you are not going to feel like getting up and doing whatever it is you got to do. You know? If you're really truly being honest, you're not going to say every day I look forward to getting up and going to work. I just I love it. It's my favorite thing. But the, the lack of that would be tragic. If you didn't get up and you didn't go to work and you didn't have a job, you wouldn't have any money. And so poverty would come upon you. You wouldn't have any food. You wouldn't have a place to stay. Ultimately, if you love sleep too much, it's going to cost you. So at some point, you have to say, okay, I've had enough sleep, you know, I'm going to start disciplining myself, I'm going to have to go to bed earlier so that I can get up when I need to get up, so, you know, that's just how it works. But we have to make sure that we don't just hang out and love our sleep so much that we, uh, I think Brother Cooper said that we let, what was your line? You could sleep, you could, you could dream, but, but don't oversleep. There you go. There it is right there. All right. Three, sluggards are know-it-alls. Oh, oh we, we should, I got to be careful here. Proverbs 26, 16, the slugger is wiser in his own conceit than seven men can render a reason. You ever heard the phrase, they'd argue with a sign even if they had painted it? That's the sluggard. You cannot argue or reason with a lazy person. They will be the most self-justifying person in the entire world. Some lazy people hide behind excuses like, oh, I just didn't like the work environment, or they didn't treat me right, or I'm not going to just take any old job. <laughs> Some of the sluggards' favorite words are, yeah, but, or, well, what about... Or, you know, you just don't understand. You, there's no way you could possibly understand. <laughs> Guess what else sluggards do? Sluggards procrastinate. One of my favorite memes, it says, 
procrastinators unite tomorrow. <laughs> I just think that's hilarious. The motto of the sluggard is never do today what you can put off until tomorrow. Some of you are laughing because that is your motto. I'm not calling you a sluggard. I'm saying quit procrastinating. I am one of the challenges that I have. uh, I have, you know, obviously three children. One is just about to be 12. And my goal is to get at least one of them, but the third one specifically, to not procrastinate. I just want him to just not procrastinate. That is so easy for us to do. But if you can get in a habit of getting ahead of the game, it's so much better. And so uh, this is a challenge because there's so many other things that 11 and 12-year-olds want to do. But the idea is, can I get the, 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 the bait out there enough to where he understands if I do the things that I don't want to do first, I can do the rest of the other things that I really want to do and I can enjoy them more later. Sluggards procrastinate, don't be a sluggard. A farm boy accidentally overturned his wagon load of corn in the road and the farmer who lived nearby came to investigate and he's called out to him and said, hey Willis, forget your troubles for a spell and come in and have dinner with us and then I'll help you get that wagon up. That's mighty nice of you, Willis answered, but I don't think Paul would like me to. Oh, come on, son, the farmer said. Well, okay, the boy finally agreed, but Paul won't like it. He said, after a hearty dinner, Willis thanks his host and said, I feel a lot better now, but I just know Paul's going to be real upset. And he said, don't be foolish. He said, by the way, where is he? He said, under the wagon. (laughs) Yeah, Paul was probably not too happy that point. <laughs> Sluggards are, are procrastinators, and they're putting things off to the last minute. They, they are late for everything. Uh, somebody said to me the other day, they said, I'll, uh, you know, I'm probably going to be late for my own funeral. I said, well, you know, that is if they show up at all. When given a project, they usually will bail out and find every excuse for not following through on it. Instead of trying to improve, they just give up. So sluggards are procrastinators, and because of their procrastination, they finally just, eh, what's the use? Sluggards are the ultimate victim. You know these people. Everything that is wrong in their life is somebody else's fault. Well, I'm, you know, the reason I'm this way is because my mom. The reason that I'm this way is because my dad... You know, my grandfather, my uncle, my boss, (laughs) instead of admitting their laziness, they're busy pointing fingers. They tend to be reactors instead of responders. Sluggards are unbelievably irritating. I'm just, just, especially for those of you who are not sluggards, to be around a sluggard, it just drives you crazy. Proverbs 10.26, as vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to them that send him. Proverbs 10.26, in the Living Bible, it says, a lazy fellow is a pain to his employers like smoke in their eyes or vinegar that sets the teeth on edge. If there's a grain of sand in the clamshell of life, its name is sluggard. 
You talk about, anybody ever had smoke in your eyes? Oh, that's painful. That's no fun. Even if it is barbecue smoke. I like barbecue smoke. But that's even painful. The laziness of the sluggard will be like smoke in your eyes. When you get around people and they're not pulling their weight and they're not doing what they're supposed to and you're busy and you're, you're doing everything you can do and they're laying around looking for a handout, it's real quiet. I don't know why it's real quiet. I didn't anticipate it being quiet right here. So if you are assigned a project to do with a sluggard to a lazy person, uh, two things are sure. You will do most of the work. And they will probably irritate you. What is the result of being a sluggard? Proverbs 19.15 Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and an idle soul shall suffer hunger. They will struggle to succeed financially and spiritually because they are not willing to pay the price of success in either area. And I'm not talking about it. Some people say, well, I... You know, I had a lazy day. I'm not talking about you had a lazy day. Some people have a lazy life. You know, it's one thing to take a break. It's, it's another thing to just not take any initiative whatsoever. They will continually lack for the things necessary to maintain a decent existence. You know, I, I have often thought uh, that people who would, you know, it used to be that people who would work hard uh, could make more money than people who would mooch and beg off of other people. It used to be. It's not that way anymore, and moochers and beggars have found that out. And so now, you got people making good money that just sit out and ask other people for money. I mean, they have no self-respect, but other than that. You know, and, I, and, I, and again, I'm not trying to discourage you from letting God speak to you about, you know, helping others in need. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... You know, you, you might want to pray about it before you stick those dollar bills out the window. Because you don't know. You don't know all the time where they're going. Um, you've heard, I've told the story, and I've heard several other stories that are very similar. Try to buy food for somebody that was asking for food. And they didn't want my food. They wanted my money. Uh, well, you, your sign says you, you will work for food. You're hungry. You want, you know, you want something to eat. I, here's food. You know, I just purchased this, this meal. Here it is for you. I don't want that. Well, then what do you want? I want your money. Well, I paid for this. Here you go. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that uh, some people are not willing to do what it takes to actually live. And Proverbs 10, 4 says, he, that becometh, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. So ultimately, people live in poverty. And we got to understand this. That yes, we are, we are supposed to be God's people, we're supposed to help people, we're supposed to do good things, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a doormat and help every, every person that you see, and you have to go way out of your way to do this. Now, there are times when God will speak to you and, and be sensitive to those times, but I've seen good people get taken well advantaged of. <laughs> Because they were trying to be good, and they were, and, and sometimes, you know, we've got people here, and Brother Dummett will tell you, Sister Allen can tell you, we have people here, they come here and they ask for money, they ask for uh, the bills to be paid, they ask for different things, and 
we, we just have, we have a simple benevolence uh, setup that they have to fill out the application. and Real simple, not a big deal, but it just helps us to establish if there's really a need or if they're trying to take advantage of the church. Because, you know, the, the finances of the church are not unlimited either. And so we have to be good stewards of what God has given to us. And so we've had people get mad and storm out and tell us we're not Christians, cuss at me, cuss at Brother Dummett. Uh, you know, you, you, we've seen it all. And you say, man, people wouldn't do that to a church. Oh, yes, they would. They get all mad. But here's the deal. God cannot and he will not bless the individual who does not use his time wisely. Neither will he bless those who are wasting their life by playing the part of the sluggard. And there's some people that if they worked hard, as hard at, at a job or at getting a job as they did at trying to just scam money off of people, they would actually make good money. They're, some of them are smart people. They're just lazy. Once upon a time, there was a pig and a cow living together on a farm. The cow was popular and the pig was not. This puzzled the pig. People speak warmly of your gentle nature and your sorrowful eyes, the pig said to the cow. They think that you're generous because each day you give them milk and cream, but what about me? I'm going to give them everything I have. I'll give them bacon and ham. I'll provide bristles for brushes. They'll even pickle my feet. Yet not one of them likes me. Why is that? The cow replied, perhaps it's because I give while I'm still living. What are you doing while you're still living? Don't wait until you're gone. Work together now. <laughs> Let's all stand.